Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 691 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles. I am by myself today, sort of, at least physically by myself, but I'm joined via, um, for JD Raider, Corncob TV satellite, and Ben Askren coming at us from Wisconsin. What's going on, well, fellas? I cheese, don't I get a cheesehead satellite or something? What, you get a satellite? You want a satellite too, Ben? Well, you called him Corncob Satellite, so I get a cheese cheese satellite. Nice Guernsey. Uh, Corncob TV oh, has my has my favorite show, Coffin Flop, on it. That's why I was referencing that. You should check it out. Um, Google. Wait, is, Co- this a, is this serious? Or is this a joke? It's a joke. It's from uh, it's from our it's from our favorite show. I think you should leave, which is not my favorite show because my favorite. I don't show know that show either. Well, you should watch it. It's very funny. I don't know any shows. I know one show which we need to talk about today. Christian Files, yeah, you're wearing the shirt. Yeah. Omar passed away yesterday. Hey, and I want to. I someone brought this up on Twitter, and then I put my piece in. It's like, what what do you think the whole point of the wire was? And if there was one for you, and obviously you can change my person. I think it was the show. Well, you know, I kind of take it from David Simon, the creators. He said it's about institutions and about how those institutions within a city are are all connected. And when you take the drug trade, you take the the breakdown of the family, you take. Um, Cops, you take the just the the legal system in general, corrections, schools, um, industry, and how it all works together, and all the failures and successes of of those are connected and create, you know, many of the problems you see in the world today, specifically in in cities. So I think it's about those institutions, and I think the other part of it is kind of what you you reference, Ben, like the sort of. The good there's good and bad kind of on every side of of these different little communities from the drug trade. There were clear good guys and bad guys, even though they're all drug dealers. And there were good cops and bad cops, even though they're supposed to, you know, all be on the side of truth. Politics, longshoremen, et cetera, et cetera. The fake news media. There was fake news, right? They were they were all the way back then. All yeah, the way right? back then there was fake news. That's season five's great for for that reason. So 
Um, yeah. I think that the kind of the the good and bad on uh, within everyone and in all walks of life is, is an important thing to to consider as well. But that, that's what I think it's about. It is fascinating to, and, and I mean, I guess one of the things, couple of things I took from it is like how hard it is to to change your path in life. And I, I know this is a fictitious, mm-hmm. fictitious TV show, but I think it had a lot of reality to it. Um, and then obviously, like you said, the, the good and the bad. And it's like, dude, you'd have to be really dense to watch that show and not not recognize that there's some reality in it and not say, wow, that guy's a drug dealer, but he seems like a really honest, moral person, despite the fact that he's a drug dealer. And then there's that cop who, you know, we put up there in the really high-level professions of honorableness. Is that mm-hmm. the word, honorableness? I don't know. We'll see. Um and there's some really bad ones who have really bad character and really bad morals. And so I think like when you just start thinking about it a little more deeply, uh, the world obviously isn't as simple as a lot of people want to make it out to be. And the, the difference between right and wrong is lots of times blurred. Yeah, no question. And you see, and I think that's a, when I first watched the show, I just thought this is the most real thing I've ever watched on TV in, in terms of like a show that wasn't actually true, right? It's like, man, yes. it's like. You could tell that it was just a really well-researched and, and, and vetted thing. There was no sensationalism. I never felt like they were turning the volume. Maybe there's some aspects where they were a little exaggeratory, but I, it just felt so authentic to me, which I think yes. is one, another thing I, I really appreciated about The Wire. And Yeah, you talk about like, you know, there's a lot of pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps type of thing, but then you look at someone like Duquan – Right, this kid and like Dookie. the circumstance, Dookie, yeah, and just like man, horrible parents, no parents, no one cares. He just f- slips through the cracks, and this kid ends up, you know, it's basically the saddest. That was the life. most depressing part of the show to me. Is like you got this kid, Dookie, who just like you can see so badly he wants to be good and he wants to do right and he wants to make the right decisions. And I, I don't know if it's the last episode, but it's very close to the end of the yes. show. And he's doing heroin. It's like, damn it. Like, how did that, how did we freaking end up here? You know, this yep. kid who had the right intentions all the way up. And then now we're here and this sucks. Another thing I think they were trying to show, like, uh, the sick, how cyclical it was. Like, what I'm you sure. saw, what I saw with the kids, as they, quote, grew up, they all kind of fell into roles within, like, the, that other prominent characters were. Like, Dookie is clearly on the path mm-hmm. of Bubbles. And Randy mm. is like on the sort of a stringer prop Joe businessman kind of path. Michael is obviously Omar. He's Robin. He's Robin drug dealers in the, like the last um, episode. Yeah. So uh, I thought that was interesting. And then one guy got out. Um, what was his name with the ponytail? Um, we based yeah, on uh, man. I can't remember yeah. we based on name. It, I, I don't remember his head, but he actually got out. Yeah, he got possible. out. He got out. Um, yes. So that was like one of the six kind of got out of the game. So anyway, rest in peace to to Michael K. Williams, played Omar Little, probably one of the coolest TV characters ever. The courtroom scene is like one of my favorites ever, him antagonizing Bird and like giving the, um, the Barksdale lawyer a bunch of, bunch of grief. So uh, awesome yeah. show, very sad to lose him. And uh, yeah, very, you know, shows the stranglehold that addictions can, can have on people too, as he, someone that struggled with, substance abuse and uh, mm-hmm. so yeah very sad very sad weird way to start the week um 
But as you know, I talk about The Wire all the time, so it's, it's worth five minutes of our Good time. We'll... I don't watch any shows, but I recommend The Wire. Heck yeah. So it is World Team Trials Week. We're so excited about that. We dropped the, in, in very Nick Soriano-like fashion, we dropped a, a film with little promotion or fanfare, or, or we kind of kept it under the radar, and then boom, just kind of gave you this gift. So Ben, you watched it. We all watched it. Um, curious for, for your thoughts and impressions. You know what I was annoyed by? I was annoyed by how many times I was drinking out of this coffee cup. It was like 90% of the time we should, they showed a scene right for all of us drinking out of the same coffee cup. It's no um, wonder you, you pee so much, Ben. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a large cup. It was, it was great. Um, I think that's the, mo- the most extended uh, I've ever got to hear Nick Serrano talk. Like, I don't remember watching any long form interviews of him and that wasn't long form, but there was, right. there was quite a bit there. So I really liked that. Um, we kind of loosely knew how his last, uh, what, 18 months, two years looked, but we weren't really sure. So it's kind of nice to have him walk us through that. Um, you know, for us, it's kind of, I almost had glanced over in history now, but the fact that he may have been the favorite for the world team trials, Olympic team trials and COVID tested positive like that. Freaking, oh my gosh, that's heartbreaking. Uh, you know, I, I almost, I don't want to say you almost forget about it, but you almost do because Gilman did so well, you know, but mm-hmm. but he was the favorite. So I think those are probably my, my main takeaways. Yeah, yeah. I mean, him talking about being, because I just, I remember thinking like, how is he taking it? How is someone like this handling that kind of news? Because yeah. this, this is no surprise. There's, there's wrestling, the best wrestlers produce a lot of, um, I don't know if I want to say imbalance, but when you put all your focus on one thing, yeah, how do you read? It's, it's one thing to like lose a match, but like to have it be something like that. And I yes. think not just not just down, but broken in half. I thought that was a really that was like a powerful phrase, or just about the emotion he was feeling, not getting to even not getting to even try, right? Um, yeah, no. Dude, I mean, to compete that, like, to your point, you, you're totally right. Uh, I don't know. If the, I think imbalance is a good word to yeah. use for that. But um, the very best in any field generally have to spend so much time and focus on that field that they they don't have a lot else going on in their life. And you know, he seems to be no exception. And so, when that one moment you've been building up to for years is just take it, you didn't lose it. You didn't even get to find out the answer, which is yeah. probably the hardest part, right? Is how would that have gone? We have no idea. He has no idea. I mean, he probably thinks, but he does. He didn't get to test his hypothesis. So, man, that is that is yeah, very difficult. Uh, and I, I, you know, he probably doesn't want to hear this, but I'm sure it, it will give him some perspective moving down the road in some way, shape, or form. That that experience that he had. Yes. No. For for sure, it will. And I think. Well, another one of the interesting parts was with Mark Perry when him saying in when I interviewed him in Tokyo, he's like he just randomly showed up. Like this wasn't some Mark reaches out <laughs> yeah, to Nick. Real, right? This isn't like some sun kissed thing. Like, hey Nick, come in here, Trey. He's just like dude, just rolls up in Arizona and just starts training. So and like he was a he was a soldier. That's that's as how Nick Suriano is that that this guy just shows up someplace. Everyone wants him at it, at their affiliated with their school, with their club, with their whatever, and he just shows up. No fanfare, no, like, recruiting, seemingly. Hilarious, he just rolled right? up. Yes. So funny. Yeah. So pretty pretty crazy. But, yeah, um, hope you guys have enjoyed it. We're 
looking forward to seeing Nick and the rest of the 61 kilogram contingent go at uh, at World Team Trials starting Saturday, which will be freaking fantastic. Excited about that. Uh, JD, you got some news for us, some uh, registration oh. news? Yeah, <clears throat> it's actually some unfortunate news. Anthony Ashnold is out of World Team Trials. Mm. We talked about... Uh, Wait, what happened? We talked about how bad he lost to Yanni, and then all, next thing you know, he's out of the thing. Yes. You oh, too. Stop. Injury, sickness, what do we got? I don't know. He's just out. I'm not sure. Okay, we're not sure. We don't also, know. I will push you guys. Sometimes you guys... What'd you say? Because he was registered at 74, and there is no 74. <laughs> Correct. So I don't know he's, if he's, he's just not he's going screwed. up now. But he is not in the registration list anymore. Not even at 74. Madison would be interesting at 79. Um, yeah. Obviously, I don't see him. Well, he. I would imagine he doesn't go because he's, it's Ranger's weight, and they're probably like, well, we don't want a Cliff Keen on Cliff Keen thing. Uh, but I don't know. It's, I, I feel like at that level, you don't, I don't know if you really think that way, especially when it's not like they're number one and two um, yeah. with all the guys that May, So maybe it's not that. Um, yeah. Another so is Massa has he said that he's going to wrestle or not this year? That's what I was wondering. If I I mean if you're just a wrestler now, you would think you would enter this tournament at 79. But if you're Yeah. Yes. But if you're going to wrestle collegially, it it could make some sense to not go for the team and then if you make the team, mm-hmm. which he he would be a long shot to make the team. Obviously 79. But, you know, maybe just focus on folk style. He's been in and out of the folk style freestyle thing for you know, a couple of years now, because he for a while he's been doing the red shirt thing. He did one Olympic red shirt, and then last year he ended up mm-hmm. wrestling. Yep, yep. So, um, quite a quite a lengthy career for for Logan Massa. But I, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard what the situation is with the with the Michigan contingent. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So those two are out, but as far as we know, everyone else is still in. Uh, Can we talk about one, one more piece of news before we get to the World Team Trials? Oh, yeah. I, uh, oh, I didn't scroll down far enough. It's in there. Gable uh, reportedly signs with WWE. There was some pretty pretty good sources on this one, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it's true. Um, obviously, he put this, which did not explicitly outline what he did, but there was a lot of other um, media outlets who I deem as to be relatively trustworthy that were putting it out there. And uh, I, I, man, I think that's the move, guys. I think that's the right move for sure for him. I think he's going to be a global superstar. Um, and then by the time he's a global superstar, he'll still be plenty young. And if he wants to go fight, he can go fight. He'll make a whole bunch of money doing it. Yeah, so I think we may see him. There's a WWE event this weekend at Madison Square Garden. I think we might see him then. Oh, a big one? That's just – well, I don't know. I don't know if they're big or – Small wrestling. Well, if it's like a, say like a Royal Rumble or uh, you know one of those things, like the, those are big. Right. SummerSlam, WrestleMania. I don't know if they've had SummerSlam yet. It's still technically summer. Oh, it's SmackDown at, at MSG, according to Tyler. Um, I do not know that, but I don't know how don't know big SmackDown is uh, compared to other <laughs> wrestling things. Uh, well, I think that one. There's two main shows every week. There's Raw and SmackDown. I believe oh, okay. that's not one of their. Um, 
It's not one of their like pay-per-view events. Got it. So what was yeah. this on USA? How do you watch it? How do I, how am I supposed to know some stuff like this? I don't know. You don't know? You're, you're Mr. WWE. You've been to the, the I, performance center. You rolled around with Triple H. What am I supposed to think? I figured I didn't you get to something. roll around with him. Oh, you, get, you, you, you know, were bouncing off the turnbuckles. You were, you were rolling with him. No, that was a month after my surgery. I was on, I was almost about to get off crutches. Okay. Yeah. So you didn't hand fight with Triple H after all. I did not hand fight You with were him. talking a lot of trash that you took his belt. uh all right gable gable to wwe congratulations and uh, yeah man he's he's gonna be great i am allowed to be sad right i don't have to be oh you know who else is making their wwe debut this week christian you're gonna be fired up about this one it's unlikely but go ahead no you're gonna be fired up. you don't know who it is is it casper yeah julius creed A.K.A. Jacob Casper will make his TV <laughs> debut this week. That's his new name, Julius Creed. Julius Creed? Yes. Why Creed? The, the famous know, 90s. I didn't pick his name. How much is something like that? The, the 90s rock band? It's like the, it sounds like the adopted son of Apollo Creed. His name is Julius Creed. Creed. Okay. I like yeah. Jacob Casper. That was good. He had, had some, some sort of a ghost theme. You know, There's not many ghouls in WWE as I've come to understand it. Oh my gosh! There's, there's not, there's very little of a haunting element. The Undertaker is the Undertaker still exist? I don't know. I think he's retired. I listened to him when him when he's on Rogan. It was a really great show. Uh, I think, I think he's done from the sounds of it. But uh, man, I think you're kind of like you're making light of WWE, and I can't wait till Jacob Casper sees you and puts a smackdown on your ass. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I like, I like, I hey, listen, Jacob. Gable, I will, I will watch you wrestle uh, wrestling matches every day. I'm not as interested in ones where there's there's no competition. It's just a show. You know? Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. wow. There's better shows than, than that, right? You know, in my opinion. Well, in, in your opinion, obviously. Huh? The Wire. The Wire. Um, <laughs> Monday Night Raw. No, just kidding. I mean, I'm happy for I'm happy for them, but I'm not happy about it. You know, if this is what you want to do, do it. But I don't have to enjoy mm. it or celebrate. No, just because Gable <laughs> technically signed or makes an appearance, that doesn't mean he's a hundred percent done with Minnesota wrestling. Correct. Well, I was thinking about this because uh, NLI. I don't think that says you can go get another career. You can get sponsorships and use your name, image, and likeness, but. If you were to sign, it's essentially as a profession, right? I mean, that's it's an employment contract. I think that would preclude you from doing college athletics, I believe. Sort of strange. I, I would imagine if he's truly signed with WWE, maybe he signed with WWE and it's like the contract, contract starts after NCAAs. That, I guess that's technically possible. I just It's technically possible, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he was going to come back and do one more season with the U, but maybe not. Unfortunate. Yeah. I hope he do, but I'll understand. It's it's kind of like you got to make hay while the sun's shining. This is like your window. You just won the Olympics. Will there be a better time to to do this? I don't think so. Hey, listen, Jeff Baxter in the in the comments. Um He's annoying me right now because, listen, our show is about wrestling. It absolutely is, which includes people who wrestle, which includes Jacob Casper and Gable Stevenson. And, listen, I don't love them just for the wrestling matches. 
I, I want I hope all wrestlers do well after they leave wrestling and whatever endeavor that they're choosing. And these people will be doing very highly public endeavors. And I, I wish both them luck and I'm interested in and and I think the other thing, and I, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but I think it's so tremendous that someone like Gable and our sport of amateur wrestling, as they call it, is commanding so much interest. Uh, I mean, it's like he's gotten extremely popular just through the sport of wrestling. And now he's got the, all these other career paths he can choose. I think that's great. And I think it, it speaks a lot to where we are that we can produce uh, really highly popular athletes. Yeah, no question. It's certainly a huge, it's a huge wrestling topic. An Olympic champion is going to leave the sport. That's insane, yes. right? And whatever he was doing, if he was going into whatever professional baseball or any other profession um he's gonna be a carpenter it'd be huge news so the fact that yeah i don't like fake wrestling either but not gonna not talk about gable steveson going to wwe it's huge huge news uh, if it happens okay you want to get into so our our man john kozak gave his best run at uh predicting the seeds for world team trials i figured we take the top eight we put them in our little bracket, and we start to, uh, you know, make some predictions on, on how these will go. Um, what do you say, boys? Uh, sounds great to me. Let's do it. Let's start with 61, uh, where we have the top eight seeds, as predicted by John. Graf, Fix, Cologne, Gross, Soriano, Tomasello, Mac, and Garrett. This is ferocious. This is a really, really, so wait, really – where the hell did Tyler Graf go the last couple of years? Well – I don't think it was a couple of years. Did he, did, was, didn't he do Greco or something? He did do Greco. Um, Tyler Graff's a man of mystery, but he's the last guy he to made, make the team. He made the team in 2019, which would have been roughly two years ago. Mm-hmm. Has he wrestled any freestyle matches since then? I believe so. Hold on. The 2021 Matteo Pelicone. Yes. What way did he wrestle? Yeah. Oh, was it 61? 61. Yes, okay. but that is it. Those are his only freestyle matches since. Man, that's I, I have a hard time seating someone that high, given the fact that, um, given the fact that he's only competed in a couple freestyle matches in the last, you know, what are we talking, uh, two two ish years? Probably more than if he made the team in he made the team in what June, May or June of twenty nineteen. That's more than two years. Well, I'll say this, he. He wrestled at 2020 Pan Ams, apparently, where he beat a man named Scott Schiller, who is not that Scott Schiller, but he's a Canadian. But I'll say, listen, I in general, I would agree with you, Ben, but what's his weight class? A non-Olympic weight. So they took away his weight class, and he just said, well, the heck with, the, the heck with me cutting down to 57. The heck with me going up to 65. I'll see you when, when the... Uh, when my weight comes back, he's a he's a one thirty three pound guy. He wants to wrestle at his optimal weight, so I wouldn't punish him for for that. Personally, that's my yeah. that's my read. So uh, if he gets the one, man, it's tough though. But it's really tough because that's such a long time. Chris, that's two years. It's such a long time. He wrestled in twenty twenty. Um, one time, uh, JD just said at the Mateo yeah. Pelicone. Yeah, so that was twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Oh, twenty twenty one Mateo Pelicone. But then, yes. so he didn't wrestle any matches in 2020 because he was doing some Greco, correct? He wrestled Pan Ams. Pan Ams. He won 11-0 okay. over Scott Schiller, who had the but cut of his lifetime. And what else? That's it. That's it. That's it. 
not much. But he's still out here. I mean, I don't know. Where where would you see them? It's the last guy to make the team at this weight. Where so, would you put him? Okay. Mateo, Mateo Pelicone, he went one and he went one and two. Um he lost to Kazakhstan, he lost to Otley from Turkey. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. That that's what I'm saying, is it's like I feel like it's very difficult to see him given the fact that he has not competed with any of these guys. That's this is freaking Olympic weight thing. It's so annoying. Highly. Um I don't know. I sure. I guess. I'll, I guess we'll leave him there. Um, it just. It is. It's. I don't want to say off-putting, but it is weird that he has not really competed in anything, um, and we haven't seen him in in roughly two years too much. And now all of a sudden we're gonna put him number. This is the number one seed. I know. Uh, yeah. So, but that's that's what that's what we're going with. I mean, I don't know where you put him otherwise. I mean, do you, can you put him behind? Soriano, probably not. So it so, seems like Soriano's been doing a lot of winning in the last year, year and a half. I mean, he he's done really well at pretty much everything he's competed in. U.S. Racing has historically given a lot of precedent to world team trials and stuff like that. Though. Yeah, so I think they'll lean on that. So that that sets up these these quarters potentially. Graf versus Nation, Gross versus Soriano, Cologne Tomasello. And Mac versus Fix. So right away, Graf versus Nashawn Garrett, uh, insane matchup. This was not the Final X match in 2019 because that was against Cologne. But they're they're the last two guys to make the world team at at this weight class. Graf made it in 19. Nashawn made it in 18. Got injured and Cologne took bronze. So a very very credentialed first match. Uh, how this and there's such mystery here. How does Graf look? So, how how does Nishan look? Yeah, there's another one. It's like, are are we punishing just Nishan because he hasn't wrestled at 61 either? He, but he went up. He went up, obviously up, and he didn't do very well up because he's not a 65 kg guy. Yeah. Has Nishan wrestled at all at 61? He has not. Not super recently. Uh, it's, yeah. it's been a little bit. Man, so who who yeah, do you got? Uh, <laughs> I'm paying between two guys I haven't seen wrestle at this weight class in a very long time. Um, I, I mean, I feel like Tyler Graff, uh, he was the rep in 19. Let's hope he's still as sharp as he was then, and I'll go with him. I I like him because his parterre is so, so good. Um, mm-hmm. And anyone that can turn at the level he can it, versus Nishan, who one of his – his kryptonite's is parterre defense, right? So yes. factor all that in, and um, you know that's that's who I'm going with. Now, then again, Nishan beat Tyler, I think, in their last meeting, five two. Uh, this was at sixty one in twenty eighteen. That was a year uh, Nishan made the team. So super notable. Yeah, I'm wrong with Nishan. You're going with Nishant. Maybe I should. Yeah, I, I, so I, honestly, I kind of feel like doing that also, to tell the truth. Well, there's so many questions around Graf. Yeah. Nishant's actually been wrestling quite a bit, and he wrestled at 61 at uh, Senior Nationals, but it did not go great. He lost to um, uh, Josh Kramer in, like, a big shootout match. But at mm, – yeah. The RTC Cup, I think that was plus three kilos. He also 57, so it's actually 60 kilograms. And he beat Seth Gross. 
Um, and I thought he looked pretty good there. He did drop a couple matches to Vito and um, uh, Jack Mueller. But uh, yeah. I have less question marks, actually, about Nashon than Tyler Graff. Well, my question is, like, where is – so Nashon – I don't know where either of these guys are training. Well, I do. I do. Nashon is at, at the Southeast RTC, but he, I think he lives in Tennessee. So I don't think he's there training, like, year-round he kind of thing. He goes there, like, once or twice a week. He lives outside of D.C. now, I think. D.C., okay. But yes. D.C., I thought we said Tennessee. Well, I did too. I did say Tennessee. I think he was in Tennessee. Well, our sixty-one kilogram field bit. is the the men of mystery. No one knows where anyone's yes. training. Yeah, they're all on the down low. They're secret. They're running around, secret training partners, secret moves. We don't know where they're competing at. What the heck's even going on here? Yeah. So yeah, this, let's just move on from this discussion. I mean, we're <laughs> speculating. We haven't even seen these guys wrestle. I'm going with Graf. I have no idea. Uh, okay. Next potential quarter is insane. Soriano, oh god! Gross for Soriano. They wrestled one time. It was a crazy match. Nick was up late, got in on a shot, and got tipped over. He kind of got he got tricked a little bit there. Seth he got uh, freestyled a little bit. It he was got pretty pre- impressive how Seth. Go ahead, sorry. I was just gonna say he just kind of Seth dangled the foot out there, tried to get him on the leg, and then uh, Nick took the took the bait and got tipped for two and lost in the last 10 seconds of the match ballpark yeah so well, I, th- I thought it was really interesting how seth was able to, it, to generate that much power from that that position it was because the really it was not your traditional like crotch lift type position he was he was turned over the other way and yeah it was, it was just a really strange crotch lift that he did so i was impressed that he was able to generate that much power from that position yeah me too it, it didn't look like yeah i think he's i think he has some freaky strength from di- from unorthodox positions mm-hmm. that allow him to get some of the, the points he does. And he's like, it's yes. an interesting thing because Seth, when you think about Seth and his folks, his game seems so folk style centric, but he was a Fargo champ uh, and a junior Fargo champ. He's like always been good at freestyle and he's really catered his weird style for freestyle in a lot of yes. ways. Yeah. So I agree. he's a really, really unique sort. Um, but I, I, I will p- take Soriano in this match. I think, I think it's a good matchup for him. I think he was right there with minimal freestyle training, and now, um, I th- I always thought the matchup was really favorable for Nick, and it wasn't as favorable as I thought it would be. Even going back to the Feral, I th- I thought Nick would kind of like have his way, and I also was like I was also team Seth Gross is not going to be functional at fifty seven. I was in like that camp because that was I'm pretty sure he was Fer- great day here. I know, but I, was bad. But I'm pretty sure this Bill Farrell was like his first time down or one of his first times down at 57. And he, I don't know if you remember this, Ben, but he like started a little, yeah. didn't look great. He had like a sort of a shootout yeah, with someone yeah, he yeah, should kill. Then he had the close one with Suriana. Then he tech NATO in the finals. Yes. So yeah. th- uh, that, but at, going into that, I was team. He ain't going to be the same guy at 57, but he kind of was pretty close can all things considered so now he's up at 61 yeah. definitely probably his ideal weight if he could pick it so i don't think the weight's going to be a factor either way um but i think soriano has the efficiency of his finishes to avoid some of the more problematic yeah. aspects but the big one of the biggest questions with soriano is his parterre defense and you don't get to see it tested much because Almost ever no one really takes him down so 
if someone can get on top, we'll see how they do. I'm trying to recall, maybe JD remembers how, at during Rome how uh, how Soriano did defending Parterre if he got taken down. How many times did he get on bottom? I, I almost it was zero, right? It or was, it was one? not many. I think he I, he definitely gave up some points. Uh, he and he had um he went yeah. overseas another tournament after that and he didn't do as well. But I can't remember Parterre how he was performing. So. The, the other thing about the, the Surrey, I mean, so I, I think my wrestling style is similar to Seth Gross's. So then when, when we think about um, wrestling Nick Suriano, one of, the, one of the most annoying type of people from my style to wrestle is like the guys who are really disciplined in the position to keep everything kind of locked in and tight. And you can't get to the positions you, where there's the two-on-one or the overhooks. And you can't wrestle from those positions that you want to wrestle from because that's usually where you spend a whole bunch of time. Um so that's uh, and that was kind of what we saw in the first match with them. Also, obviously, Gross was able to uh, you know say trick or find a unique way to score, um, and, and it worked right. But it was tough for him to get anything going against Nick Soriano. Yes, it was. Um, and the, the the other thing that that gave you problems in your career is those guys that figured out how to finish quickly, right? When and limit yeah, the scrambles, absolutely. right? So and that's something that Soriano. Was doing really well against the tricky Azaris. He was able to finish with great efficiency and not let yeah. it come down to finishing a, an extended position. Man, I just look back at the trials bracket, and uh, I guess I had forgotten this, but both Cologne and Gross forfeited after losing their wrestle back, or sorry, after losing on the front side. So Cologne beat Gross first round. Gross is not wrestling any more matches. Cologne then loses to Gilman, then he does not wrestle any more matches. So neither one of them wrestled at all on the backside. Correct. Which made yeah. way for Nathan Tomasello, who will wrestle potentially sure. Joe Cologne in the quarters, uh, which put NATO on the, the national team because he wrestled back for third. Because basically it was yes. 57 was a ghost town after after everyone got eliminated. For real. It really was. Because like Dayton, Gross, and Cologne, I think, all forfeited out, and maybe some others. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm on that page. So, no, you won't. Uh, Cologne, forfe- <laughs> Cologne forfeited out. Uh, Gross forfeited out. Fix forfeited out. So, it's those, those three. That's a big three. I mean, so, there's only like 10 competitors in this bracket. Right. Nine. There's nine. Three of the nine forfeited. Yeah. Man, that's small. How, well, how big was the biggest men's freestyle bracket? Not big. Don't you remember? The, the, the qualification was very difficult this time. So I would say 65 was the biggest, and it looks like it is 12, 11 or 12 people. Man, so no 16-man um, bracket. Yeah, I mean, 74 was, what, 8? 86 was, it's like 11 or 12 maybe. Yeah. 97 is also 8 people. Yeah, so none of them were big. Hey, the man. I just just saw this. Pat Downey was registered for Sanford MMA. This guy is he going to start fighting ever or what? Who or is he wrestling seventy nine kg this weekend? Pat Downey. His, Pat his Downey? registration on the Olympic team trials says Sanford mixed martial arts. I have no idea. Does he know? Probably not. Yeah. Okay. So how would any of yeah. us know? I mean, I I think fighting seems to suit him. And he's been yeah, talking about I mean, it a he's long time. He's been, he's been, you know, it would seem mm-hmm. like he'd be a hard person to beat up <laughs> based on yeah, watching his wrestling. Um, 
He's pretty tough, so. But I don't know. Will we see it? Maybe. I don't think. I think we're more likely to see him in the cage than wrestling this weekend at 79 kilograms. I'll tell you that right now. Okay, big bet bet right now, Christian. Will we see him fight the mixed martial arts fight first or make 79 kg first? All right, I want to say uh, qualifier. Make 79 and wrestle. Okay, that's fair. Make 79 and wrestle. Competing about at 79 kg. Yeah, I'll say no. I'll say MMA first. Wow. He's, he's, he's big. Have you guys seen Pat Downey? He's a yeah, really he's very, big, he's a large person. He's a very big person. I know... You know, some people, I, I don't think he's, yeah, I think that's too big for him, personally. Uh, okay. Just a thought. Okay. All right, who are you picking, Grosser or Suriano? I got Suriano. I'm going to go Suriano. Suriano. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. Which means it's probably going to be Yeah, we Seth. messed this. I already know. <laughs> messed this up. Cologne Tomasello. Ah, this is interesting. Uh, I feel like Cologne, and I feel I feel like he's another one that was. And he, this is all. I mean, this is Cologne. This is gross. This is Graf. Uh, and I mean, so Graf and Nashawn didn't even try, but they're just too big for fifty-seven. Cologne is a sixty-one kg. He's just too large for fifty-seven. He doesn't function well down there. Uh, he's a much better sixty-one. I'm taking uh, Joe Cologne. Hmm. I'm, I think I'm going to go NATO here. I've always been kind of a big NATO guy. I know, I know he got third and it was like, okay, well, ha, there, no one came back. But I really thought he looked really good at trials. Uh, and it made me think, okay, he's still got a lot left in the tank. So yep. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with him. Now I'm trying to remember when's the last time they have Cologne and Tomasello wrestled in the last. I don't know. Well, I don't Man. think Cologne. I don't think Thomasell ever competed at sixty-one. Well, Col- but Cologne's been been, a, been a, a mainstay at fifty-seven as well. He's wrestled there down there a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, more than some other people. Yeah, um, I don't remember them wrestling. Yeah, he did not in the past couple of years. Cologne pinned him at the uh, Olympic trials qualifier in like twenty sixteen. In Vegas. Man, that doesn't count anymore. Doesn't even count. It didn't even happen. <laughs> We can just we can just scrub all our losses from five years ago and, and that's twenty and no twenty fifteen twenty fifteen that's six years ago we ain't, we're not counting that one okay yeah twenty fifteen you know who else Thomas L beat at that tournament no Stevan Micic. ah uh, yes that sounds about right mm-hmm. back when Stevan had American aspirations um, for his freestyle career absolutely okay so I yeah I don't know. So the parterre is scary. The underhooks for Cologne. I'm I'm just going NATO on a on a whim. It could go a lot of different ways. I'm going Cologne. James. Cologne. James has to go with the Iowa people. I have to. Otherwise, yeah. he'll, he'll lose his Corncob TV sponsorship if he doesn't stick with them. And then finally, a less hard one. Although I will say I do agree with you that I think NATO looked good at trials in the Oklahoma RTC has been a good move for him. But yes, got to ride with Joey. I mean, he's back with Lo, he's back with uh, Lou Roselli, who was his coach uh, at Ohio State for a, for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think that's. I, I think Nato still got a decent amount in the tank. He's not he's not old, and his style I think can age pretty decently. We'll see if he can still put the pace on guys. 
like he used to. Um, you know, the length of Cologne could be having problems. But I'm going with him. Next match, Shelton Mack, Dayton Fix. Finally, at least for me, it's a little easier. Easy one. Uh, yes. Compared to the other three, I've got Dayton Dwayne Fix as, as a winner. I feel similarly. I got the same. And JD's got Shelton Mack. The senior nationals champion, Shelton Mack. But I am writing with Dayton Dwayne as well. Dayton Dwayne. So that makes the semis. I've got it. Graf versus Soriano. You guys have it Nishan versus Soriano. Man, so, I was back and forth on that one. <laughs> I know. Now you're going to switch it up. No, it's fine. I'm going to pick Soriano uh, over either one of them in the semis. So it doesn't really matter, I don't think. Yep. Same. Soriano had little issue with Nishan at Farrell in 20-whatever that was. Uh, so I would feel good in that matchup. I think he matches up well against Graf as well. I know they they definitely wrestled at the NJRTC back in the day, and yes. uh, yeah. So I go. I think Soriano's. I I think the toughest matchup for Soriano will happen before this matchup. If this is how the bracket plays out, I think Gross is a tougher matchup than Graf or Nishan. I agree. That's fair, for sure. So I'm riding with Nick to the finals. And you guys are as well, which sets up. I've got Nate Overs Dayton, Nate Overs Dato. You've got Cologne <laughs> versus Dayton Fix. I'll let you guys go first because yeah. that's. Um, I'm I'm gonna go with Dayton on that one. I think uh, I don't think it'll be as interesting as some Joe Cole matches because I don't think Dayton will go underneath him as much as some people do, and obviously that that is. Uh, Joe Cullen's wheelhouse. I think he'll be able to neutralize him. Uh, he just Dayton's just so strong. I think he'll neutralize him in the upper body stuff, get a couple scores, and uh, and win that way. So I don't. It's strange. These guys, uh, you know, Joe Cologne and Dayton Fix enter basically all available wrestling Everything. tournaments, but I don't think they've ever hit. I can't find. I don't think so uh, they have they have a billion common opponents, but I don't think they've ever wrestled each other, which is well, sort of that's str- where. You said you said Cologne has wrestled a lot at fifty seven. He's wrestled more than some people, but I feel like I, I would look back at the majority of his matches as being at sixty one. And Dayton, I don't think is Dayton's never wrestled at sixty one, has he? This would be the first time. He actually Dayton made the what team did he beat? Like U twenty three or something. He made like a U twenty three team. I think he beat Tomasello there or something like that one time. I thought that was fifty seven though. Also. You might be right. I think it was. Nathan. Yeah, I think Dayton was all, all 57. I don't ever remember her going up to 61 kg, so I think that kind of explains why. Maybe you're right. Maybe no, it was. you're it right. It was. Uh, that was at 57. 61. That was like Rochester. I don't remember what. Yeah, it was like an October match or something to that effect. Yeah, you might be right. I can't find an example of him at 61. I it think is it's kind of funny to me. Go ahead. I think it's gonna be great for him. I'm I'm excited to see him at 61. I think, man, I think he'll he'll have a little more. Yeah, it's kind of funny that he's never ever really competed at 61, given the fact that he does wrestle so often, and also the fact that he competes, um, he competes at 133 for college wrestling, and so the fact that he's wrestled every single freestyle competition at such 125 pounds, but that's not where he wrestles for college. I find that kind of funny. Yes, it is. Uh... Sort of, sort of strange, but I think I think it's gonna be good for him up at up at sixty one. Now, him versus Cologne, you've got two amazing parterre offensive wrestlers. You've got Joe Cologne's just regular gut wrench, really good. He's Joe probably has a little more in the way of 
counter offense when you're on his leg. He he tip gets a lot of tips like that. Yeah. Um, whereas Dayton, Dayton's got that as well. Dayton's more for the trap arm on top than uh, than a regular yes. gut. Although he's got a really good gut too. I just think. But he see, almost always goes. He goes gut. To, you know, starts gutting if they open up for the open up the leg for the trap arm. He'll throw the leg in, and then sometimes he fakes like he's going to go for the trap, and then goes back to the original direction. I mean, that's yeah. what he does a lot. He has a lot of success with it. Yeah, he's he's amazing from that position. How come more people yeah. don't do the the leg in to the to the trap arm? I love it. We started doing it. I mean, Keegan does it a ton because we started just like doing a crap ton of it in our room. Uh, because I, I was just watching how much success Dayton was. I'm like, let's just freaking do, why don't we just do that? And and the other thing is it translates over to folk style also, because you can go tilt or chop, you know, tight ways to, to leg in as well. So we can use it in freestyle and folk style. It's great for both. Uh, why don't we do that? So we started doing it and Keegan does really well. And we have a handful of other guys who are pretty darn good at it. Yeah. It's a really, there's not a ton of guys that, I, I mean, I don't see it happen a lot on, on the senior freestyle level. Um, Hitting trap arms. I mean, everyone's hitting trap arms and trying to hit them as much as they can because it can be a match ender if you get to it. But, yeah. um, you know, his I feel like setup, it's normally off of a transition. Like, takedown, you end up right into a trap arm. Yes, you're right. Whereas Dayton is like, okay, I got the takedown. Now let me methodically get the boot in, punch yes. the thing, get the trap arm, run it over. It's more of like a, yes. a traditional, like, this is just like a parterre sequence. So, yes, exactly. Really, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going with Dayton. I've got. I just. I think he's going to be able to. I think he's going to surprisingly control center against Joe Cologne. I think a lot of people That's, would think I Joe. Feel the same way. I think a lot of people would probably say I think Joe Cologne's going to control center here, but I, I actually, I just see Dayton able to do it. And then that's going to force Joe into his. Maybe force Joe onto the clock and maybe force Joe into some attacks where we've seen now that I'm thinking about it, Dayton Dayton isn't um is really good counter counter offense. He's not looking for exposure as much. He just like out scrambles for the takedowns. That's how he's yes. giving Gilman and a lot of guys a ton of problems. So I see I see him getting some conversions off of that as well. Yeah. So- yeah. So we all have it. Suriano versus Fix. Oh my goodness! Uh, Not again. Oh, uh, is it all right? Are we finally after? I mean, this is going back from 2014 to now. These guys have wrestled each other and basically haven't had a takedown. They had the one in the Wait. in the 50 minute match, but um, and then they had the overtime. Though, Christian. What's that? that? It's never been freestyle before. Well, I think they've only wrestled one time in freestyle, and they were like nine. Um, it's like the it was like the Cadet World Finals. Why right? do you know about that? Cadets nine year olds are cadets now. Bo Bassett's nine. Just won a Cadet World title. I saw it. Oh my gosh! No, Wait, they uh, did wrestle Cadet Trials. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was a terrible match. It was just like shot clock points. I think. Really? Um, yeah, I think Dayton made the team off of I think the order in which they both went on the clock. It was really wow. I did not. I wouldn't have been able to reference that match at all. Well, it's not one that would stick out. Um, it's more it's more notable just that it happened. But they, these guys basically don't take each other down. They've never had a regulation takedown, to my knowledge. They've had the I don't they, they had right. the marathon match at who's number one, thirty minutes. Nick got the takedown. They had the NCAA final with the with the takedown, whatever you want to call it. And then um, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. So they can't really take each other down. It would seem like this version, Freestyle, may create some more sequences, may create some more action. Do we think it's going to be another snoozer, another boring match? Yes. I I have been on record saying anytime these two wrestle, it will be boring. Okay. So it will be boring. On record with that opinion. What? That's you're on the record. They, they, they both they both rely on pressure uh, and mistakes from their opponents to create a lot of their own points. And both of them are so disciplined and so good at pressuring. They're not, they can't do it to each other. And so it, it, we end up in these snooze fests. It's terrible. It's bad. Should we cancel the match, Ben? It's going to be two out of three. I'd cancel it. I listen. I would just settle, settle it via coin flip. It was it was one to one. I went and looked this up. One to one. Dayton Fix beats Nick Seriano. Yep. Um, and it was only – cadet trials were only one match at that point too. At that time, yes. Yep. Um, so they changed – I think the next year is when they changed it, actually. I think, yeah, because he beat Spencer Lee the next year. Yes, he did. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be I, – I, I think it will be different. I feel like both guys <laughs> at some point have to be the like – The eternal oh, optimist. <laughs> I, I uh, don't, Let it not be said. Um uh, I'm pessimistic about something. It's not this. I think this. I think between the two matches, two potentially three matches, there's going to be at some point they're going to have to have the realization like we're going to have to attack. I'm going to have to attack to win this match. I can't rely. But, on But if they do that, if they if they become a discipline, they do that. It gives the other one the advantage. So how can they do it? Well, you you have to say. You have to think that it's not an advantage. You have to think my offense can score on a person. You have to think I want to be a world champion. I need to be able to take down Nick Seriano. I need to be able to take down Dayton Fix. That's can what anyone I'm... in the world take Nick Seriano down? I, yes. Nurslam Sanayev. Uh, obviously. He got I multiple times at Pelican. I think Jordan Burroughs could. <laughs> uh, Honestly. That's funny. Jeff Baxter doesn't see it being a snooze fest. But Jeff Baxter also said, don't be a hater, Piles. Who did I hate on? Jeff Baxter, he doesn't know what he's talking about. All right. All right. Sorry, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I think he was refer- referring to um, uh, Downey. Oh, Dude, yeah, Dayton Fix does re- really wrestle in everything, though, Christian. I'm going back to his profile right now. It's like, this dude is freaking everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he had a everywhere. couple years. It was sort of strange. Um he had a couple like well he had the he had the suspension obviously which which had him out but he had a little time I think yeah. before that where he had been off the mat for like a couple months which was strange because you just hadn't seen him not wrestle. Um, yeah. But he had a couple year stretch there from like basically from 2015 to I don't know 19 or 20. Well, he was just back to everywhere. His kid stuff. He, well, yeah. His kid stuff. He's everywhere. Yeah, it's it's I'm hard. Bl- Schoolboy years now. <laughs> yeah. You're, what are you looking at that you're able to find all this? Oh, track. You just got to just kept scrolling back. Yeah, he's he's Dayton is in the streets. Okay. Yes. So, I'm You guys go first. Uh, I'm going to go with Nick Suriano. Uh, oh my gosh. And it's going to be like one to one. We may get a push out. That's what I'll give us. We may get a push out to make it two to one or something to that effect. Two to one, or a one-one failed challenge makes it two-one, or maybe a, late, a possibly potentially like a late takedown. You know where you know they're really. Stretching. Dayton goes for an inside trip, and then um, 
late in the match and then down. Yeah. yeah. Just gets a takedown. Mm-hmm. Okay. James I'm D. a little more optimistic. I think there is one takedown, like not garbage time takedown, but I think it goes to Nick Seriano and he wins. Three to one or something like that. I've been I've been struggling with this envisioning like how it goes in. Like who okay, who would you say style is best catered towards freestyle? Dayton. Mm, yeah, Dayton. Dayton. Uh but Nick oh, but Nick is Nick is equally catered for freestyle because there's there's nothing in folk style that he does exceptionally that much better. Like he's not like he doesn't have like a Spencer Lee turn series. Uh, he gets off bottom, but nothing spectacular happens there. He's not like a scramble wrestler, so there's there you know there's not really a huge benefit there. So Nick Siriano is also very well suited for freestyle. I agree. He just didn't test the top game. Super Dayton has top the top game. game, and Dayton has the counter. But he also game. has a good top game in folk style. Also, and he is also a good scrambler in folk style as well. So he has both of those things going for him too. Yeah, but I, in my opinion, when I watch Dayton, I feel like a lot of his stuff is really catered towards freestyle, and he makes it work in folk style. Um, personally, so you, you, you yeah. all right? So you add up all this stuff. You've got two guys that they cannot take each other down. It basically never happens. Then you have one. So then you have to start. You have to start going down the list. Okay, of the attributes. All right, but then when you factor that in, do you throw out all of Dayton's top game as a result of that? Yeah, because he ain't gonna get on top of him. So I almost thought I had. I had logically like figured out that I could (laughs) pick Dayton. But then the whole reason I would pick Dayton is that he has more freestyle skills, but he won't get to show those skills. Yeah, I mean, the, the the argument that you could obviously make, uh, you know, for the person you said you want someone to take chances, I think is what you were saying, Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the argument you could make for someone taking chances is it's an asymmetric bet for Dayton to take a chance. Because if Dayton were to end up on top, he's probably going to score a whole bunch of points, right? So the, the, the ability for him to take chances is a much larger benefit. Whereas Nick Seriano, if he does get on top, is probably not going to score, right? So he's going to have the two-point upside whereas Dayton has uh who knows potentially 10 point upside so if he were to take a handful of chances say even the first three times Nick or first two times Nick Sarno gets takedown he's down four zero but the time he does get on top and it's four to two now all of a sudden he goes to work and he gets a bunch of points yes yes that's that's what's making it really tough for me so I, I think throughout the matchup and then you look at how have they looked with their last competitions, right? Did Dayton yeah. look great his last competition? I don't think so. It didn't look like the best version I've seen of Dayton fix. Um, as great as Vito is, I didn't. I didn't think he looked as good as I seen him. I what I saw from Nick Soriano. Now I got to go back several months, <laughs> but he looked amazing, and he won the bracket that Thomas Gilman, Vito Rujan, and two really tough Azeris were in. So. I'm going to go with Soriano. I'm going to say three. Dayton's getting one. Three matches. Well, okay. Going to be close. We'll see. I mean, For all we know, this is going to be a quarter. It's going to be a semi. I have no idea how they're going to seed this thing. But I would I would love it two out of three. Just a fun match. Actually, yeah. I kind of like that. And I kind of like... Maybe I go... I still go with Soriano, but... Yeah. 
Dayton takes one if it's a in the final. I forgot that finals two out of three. Yeah, the best two out of three. That'll be an exciting element. But man, it's so. But maybe we get to snooze for eighteen minutes. Boo! I don't think we'll oh snooze. We won't be. Snoozing. I don't think we'll snooze either. It'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, listen. Yeah, I, I'm into it. I know there's not going to be a lot of points produced. And I know it's going to be semi boring for most people, but I, I, I've always watched the Nick Soriano Dayton match, and I've always been interested in it. Even though I know they're probably not going to score a lot of points on each other, it's just highly unlikely. But that doesn't make it not enjoyable for me. True, true. Okay. Um, so that's 61. We did 61. Do we want to save other ways? We want to do one more wait and then keep going? Because uh, we have, yeah, we have think... three shows this week, right? Yes. So we can hit 70 now if we wanted. Um, 65, Let's go I don't 70 have fast anymore. and maybe we have questions for you. Oh, yeah, we got to get 65 on here. 70 is more fun for what it's worth. Uh so let's do that. Let's do it. Okay. The seeds, the as predicted by John Kozak, um, Green, Pantelio, J.O., Zane, Brayton Lee, Tyler Berger, Ryan Deacon, Elroy Perkin. But I thought, did we not determine that Brayton Lee's, one of his big wins was a default, not an, or not even a default, a medical forfeit? Um, well, I, think that, I, don't know, I don't know what you're referencing. I think that he's going to get, if, if this is the seeding, he's going to get, hammered by Zane first round anyways so yeah uh if you have a if you get tired in matches Zane Rutherford is not an opponent you ever want to see yes uh but you know what let's just go with it for the fun so the quarters would be James Green versus Elroy Perkin I think that's an easy one for me it's not exactly Tyler Graff versus Nishan Garrett I love Elroy but uh he's a Wisconsin boy shout out um but yeah, uh, James Green is definitely the favorite. Then Zane versus Brayton. I like Zane there in that matchup. Yes, agreed. Yep. Okay. And now, I, I don't really see a path to victory for Brayton um, against Zane. I mean, Brayton's best best thing is his reattacks, super good. Um, go behind. I don't see Zane giving up a go behind or a reattack. Um, yeah, I don't think so. As good as Brayton's are, that's a tough one. That's tough for me to see. J.O. versus Burt. Go ahead. The one you were thinking about, too, by the way, was Tyler Berger at Senior Nationals. Injury defaulted in the third-place match to him. Yeah, so I don't know. So why don't we switch this? I think it's going to be Berger. But it's like if he injury defaulted, do you have to give the nod to Brayton? They're not going to. Why don't you? Why don't you count that? Because you don't. You. I mean, you don't give Brayton the opportunity for a win there. That's not because in, yeah. in NCAs it counts, correct? Yeah, it counts. But I think, well, no, forfeits don't count uh, for like seating. injury defaults. Injury defaults would. Was it an injury default or a medical forfeit? Injury too? default. Okay, so maybe so. E I N. Maybe they will. I don't think you should. I don't think uh, injury defaults should be factored in because. You don't know. I mean, just should be thrown out completely. But I don't know that they'll do that. So we'll just stick with it then. Which will give us J.O. versus Tyler Berger. That's a um, probably a J.O. win, I think we're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. This is an interesting one, though. The 2-7, if this holds, Pantaleo versus yeah. Deacon. 
This guys is the are, most interesting match of the first round for sure. No question. Pantelio, um, they've gone back and forth, but I'm pretty sure Pantelio has the yes. lion's share of victories here. But Deacon is just a he's just a scary matchup. If he's hot, he's just he's going to be a threat in this entire bracket. But he's also a guy that could lose in the quarters for sure. Um, but pantelio has been I, if you're looking at the arc and how well they've been wrestling, Pantelio's coming off a win against James Green. Yes, uh, that's all. That's a that's kind of an enough said for me. And that, a James Green at yeah. seventy, who has like less than five domestic losses at seventy. So I'll go with Pantelio over Deacon. Yeah. Pantelio at 70 kg is he's outstanding. Uh, really good weight class for him. Um, and freestyle, I think he's significantly more well suited for freestyle than for folk style. Don't disagree at all. So that'll set up James Green versus Zane Rutherford as a semi. Ben Funky. Who you like? Wait, who's James uh, Dean like I, in uh, Pantelio Deacon? He didn't pick. I'm going Pantelio. Yep. He's hot right now. So hot right now. Hot. Greasy. Okay, I, I go, yeah. Green, Green versus Zane is a really interesting match to me. Um, who am I going to pick? Oof. I'm going to go Zane for the upset. I, th- I think maybe he scores on uh, a reattack because he is also a great reattacker. Um yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Man, I don't know. Should I pick that? Is that really stupid? No, it's not. Stupid. I'm gonna go Zane on a reattack. Zane wins. James. Um, I'm really yeah. torn on this. this one. Is killing me, for the record. Yes, me too. I pick first. I'll say this. All my. And analysis and all, you know, looking at the history makes me want to say James. All the evidence points to James Green in this matchup. But I don't know why. I just feel like Zane's going to go on a run and make the team here. It's, well, it's I so, think it's wholly indefinable. There's nothing I can put my feet I just watched him at trials. He, he, lost, to, he lost to Nick Lee. Can, I, can I add one? Yeah. Can I add one in here? I mean, if, if what, what this says to me and what the, also just what you brought up says to me is that Zane's not really a uh, 65 kg guy is that he's grown um, and he's making them move up to 70 because he does have the option. It's not like he's forced up to 70 right now. He could also wrestle 65 if he wanted to. It's that he's grown. He's not really a 65 kg guy. So he's making the move for the first time full time to 70 kilograms. And he's probably filled out to that weight class and he's probably going to compete here for the foreseeable future. And that, that for me is a difference. Yes. Um, that's a factor for me too. I think him at seventy is absolutely an advantage, but it's a huge advantage for James as well. You know, um, we know James. Yeah, I mean, well, but we know James is at seventy kg. So if right. James had wrestled uh, Zane at at sixty five um, or like a sixty seven or something to that effect, I would kind of just I wouldn't really consider that as I don't really consider most of James's matches uh, at that weight class. Uh, I think James is one of the best in the world at 70 kg, but I think Zane can be also. Yes, I agree. Oh, this is killing me. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go Zane. JD. Okay, I'll go James. Man, JG. It, it's 
It's, uh, I don't know why. I just, it's a weird feeling. Okay, then we got J.O. versus Pantelio. We were in agreement on that, that this would be the matchup. Yeah. So they hit at the 150, and Pantelio beat Oliver. Super close match. J.O., mm-hmm. it seemed like he kind of waited a little too long to get his offense yes. going. And it's always the question, like, if it's like, which, if we see the, the, the offensive J.O., I think he wins. I think he's the. He, I think he be, takes out Pantelio. But if he wants to like win a chess match and like wait and like pick his spots, really, Pantelio's gonna be tough to beat at that game. And Pantelio was able yes. to generate uh, quite a few attacks against Jordan. He was. I think he was able to be disruptive to Jordan's timing and stuff because he was able to to get the legs. And he's got this. Jordan has a speed advantage against almost everyone he wrestles, but with, with Pantelio. This is a guy with really elite elite speed. So this is always going to be a match. It's going to be really tough. I don't see Parterre factoring in really here. Maybe J.O. can catch a lace. But it's going to be close. It's going to look, I think, similar to the 150 match. I just think J.O. finishes one of those takedowns and and gets the win. It's like a criteria 3-2, 4-3, 2-2 kind of match for for Jordan, in in my opinion. It's it's going to be well within the margins, but I'm going J.O. Hmm, I'm going to go Pantelio because I think of that last match that they wrestled that you just referenced, that was not Pantelio's ideal weight class. I think he'll be even better. I I think the top four here, um, Green, Zane, Pantelio and Jordan Oliver are all highly competitive at the world level at this weight class. I'm going to go Pantelio for the win. Yeah, I am too. Um, I have more confidence in the best version of Alec Pantelio showing up than I do in the best version of Jordan Oliver showing up. Okay. So I've got Zane versus J.O., Ben has Zane versus Pantelio, and James Dean has Green versus Pantelio. So we all have three different finals matchups. Yes. The J first. I oh, have. Go ahead. Well, I was yeah. gonna. I was gonna say I'm gonna pick Zane over Pantelio in a very close one. Obviously, they, they competed uh, in the NLWC card last year. It, I called it being highly competitive. You guys scoffed at me. Was correct. I see it being highly competitive again with Zane taking a very close win. That was a very close one. Uh, if it was Zane Pantelio, that's who I would pick. I have it Zane Jo. That's an interesting rivalry because the first time they wrestled, Jo was destroying him, and then Zane sort of came back, but Jo still won. Then they had the crazy U.S. Open match with the correct throw that like divided America. Uh, that and. J.O. ended up winning when it looked like Zane was going to win. And then you had, they wrestled at World Team Trials in a weird match where it looked like J.O. was going to win. And a pair of head pinches for Zane tipped it towards him. But one of those head pinches shouldn't have counted because his foot stepped all the way out. So they had this sort of a weird rivalry where like you watch the matches and you never really know who's better. Because... The correct throw one, you're like, okay, really? Is that really two for Jordan? I would, I wouldn't think so. And then you've got uh, the that's two out of three. Worst call ever. Terrible. That was a bad. Actually, the worst call was the not not the worst. I mean, the worst rule. Okay, rule. the worst rule. The correct throw is a terrible rule. Terrible, terrible rule. So, and then you've got the 
Zayn steps out and then gets a head pinch thing. Well, how does that change the match? But they also didn't throw the brick there. That was sort of weird. Yeah. So uh, there were conspiracy theories about why there was no brick there. But uh, anyways. Um, so, uh, so who do you pick? Who do you actually think is better? And I, now, already, I already made a pick. You got a pick. Stall well, pile. well, you don't have the same finals matchup as me. You don't have Zayn versus J.L. Who would you pick in that matchup? But at the end of the day, Zayn more often has gotten his hand raised. And and now two out of three, how do you factor that in? This is a two out of three series. There's so many variables, and they're up a weight. They've only wrestled at 65. Now they're at 70 kilograms. I'm going Zayn. Zayn in three. Um, I'm really, yeah, I'm going for it. Go for it. James I Dean. think whoever comes out of top semi is who I will pick. And since I have James Green come out top side, I'm riding with James Green. Of the with James Green. I, I'm with you. If it, if James beats Zane, I think James beats Jordan. Um Yes. I think if Alec beats Jordan, I think Alec probably falls to both of those guys, even though I know he has the last win over James, but historically that's been James in, in that matchup, right? That was the second time they had wrestled that day to, I think it was day, definitely a tournament. I think it was the same day. Uh, and James won the first one. Right, right. And so to even me, it on- like a scenario of like, I'm wrestling this guy again. Really? I got to do this. Versus Pan Taylor was like, all right, I got nothing to lose now. Okay. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, so yeah, I feel like there's like a lot of potential finals options here and, you know, right. I think J.O.'s, J.O.'s best finals opponent, it would be Zane. I think he has the best matchup. I think he matches up better against him than, than James Green. Um, man, it's tough. I, I, these we guys put are, these guys in a round robin. Well, we, we, yeah, that'd be fun. But this, best two this, out of three round robin, every match, every series. Oh, best out of three. That's a, that's a lot of wrestling. That's a lot of wrestling. That they're so all the you look at you compile all this information and it doesn't give you a clear picture here. You know, I mean, there's not a clear. Yep. I mean, Jo just, I guess technically, you know, Jo was in a bracket with with Zane and James and he won it, right? So you factor that maybe yep. maybe that's the data point you should point to. This guy was on the team. Zane and James were in it, and that's. I think if you're looking for some way to logically say who's going to win, I think it you could you could deduce Jordan. But wherever there's so many butts, you could add in after that, though. I know, but it's a new way. But James is finally wrestling at his optimal. Not finally, but gets to wrestle at his optimal weight. Zane's up. Who knows? Um, Okay, fun stuff. We'll do those two weights. Maybe we'll go to some questions. Um. Yeah, why don't we go to some questions? This will be fun. Um, we have so many friends. Say your question. Is Jordan Burroughs moving up a weight for trials have a historical precedent? John Bruce, Kenny, Dave didn't move weights, did they? Has anyone in the ballpark of world medals moved weights? Actually, so th- Dave Schultz did comment. change weights and won uh, medals at both. There's not many examples of this, of guys. But all of these in this, but Christian, all of these people were in a 10-weight class era, 
And so, you know, Jordan Burroughs never started in a 10 weight class era so that, you know, he was in the seven and then the six. And now finally, these years later, we have 10. So I feel like, um, you know, back then there was more choices for those guys to pick from. Yes. Uh, starting in 2002, the weights were reduced so that you can look at some of those eras of guys. Like there's there's a couple of guys that made teams at different weights. Kale made teams at 84 and 97 or 6. No. Kale? Oh, no, he stayed, no, he stayed down, didn't he? He stayed down. So yes, even he's yeah. not an example. Uh, Logan Steber made a team at 61 and 65. Yeah. Um, there's Jaden has won medals. Uh, 86 and 92. Jaden Michael Tabori Cox changed weights, went up. And he uh, might go three. He could he could win medals at three weights. He's got to have to eventually find a way to knock off Kyle Snyder. But if he does, obviously, he will accomplish that. Man, I saw a picture of him the other day on a bike, and he looks lean. so skinny. He looked mm-hmm. lean, didn't he? He is lean. I'm telling you. Um, yeah, he is lean. Man, right. he looked lean. Yeah. Well, he's got to be for a 92. Yeah, but does he? Man, he wrestled 197. He? Yeah. he looked like a beast at nine, 197 pounds. He looked well, he also, big. Yeah. He no, was huge. He also wrestled 189. Right. 86 kilograms. Yeah. Truth. So I feel, I feel like uh, – but you know what? Maybe maybe not. I mean, J- Jaden um, – I know when he was at Missouri, like he would have some big cuts down to ninety-seven, like just cut it old yes. school, right up to kind of down to the wire, making weight at times there. So he's he's big for um, ninety-two for sure, or he can be big, but maybe he's yeah. taking a different approach and just trying to stay lean. But looking at guys who have like made multiple teams at different weights, um, Dave Schultz, I didn't actually realize this, but he won. A medal at 82 before he won medals at 74. Um, which I did. Did you guys realize that? I did not realize that. Yeah. He. So what was market? Was there, was there a 90 kilogram also then back then? Or no. So how Mark. Go, how did it go? Mark was 90. Mark was at 82 as well. So Dave got bronze in 1982 at 82 kilograms and then went down to 74. Then his brother Mark started making teams uh, and made one, two, three, four, five, six oh teams in a row. At 82 or at 90? 82. Okay, got it. Uh, Melvin Douglas is someone who made uh, weight, uh, different, a couple different weight classes. He was at 97 and 90. But he had not a ton of, but he did not medal at both. So very few examples of guys changing weights, but we have a very recent one with, um, with Jaden. But really, it's it's yeah. pretty unprecedented. So if he does it, um, well, uh, hold on, you're forgetting uh, a even more recent one. Oh, Kyle Dake, seventy nine, seventy four. Oh, true. He didn't do it at seventy four. Well, uh, I guess not. He, he did. He just did. He medaled, yeah. yeah, he's not a medalist. He's this Olympic bronze medalist. Um, so yeah, so those guys changed weights. So there is a precedent. It's a pretty small list of people have done it. Yeah, so if yes. he makes, well, I mean, that, but the, also the total list of American medalists, especially, and then if you go American multiple time world medalists is really small also. So yeah, I mean, you, you don't have, you don't have a large field to choose from here. No, you do not. Okay. So good stuff there. 
Jordan can absolutely start to cement his legacy. And it'll be interesting if he gets on the team and then medals. You know, how does that change 79 moving forward? Because then you're going to have 79 and 74. Then I think it could actually be a good thing because then people will just start wrestling there wherever they really want, wherever they feel most comfortable. Because, like, either yeah, way, you've got a boogeyman waiting at the end of it, whether you've got to go two to three yeah. against Jordan or two out of three against Kyle. <laughs> um, or David, if you're on the Helen, upper side. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Helen's done three weight classes, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. 53, 55, 57. She could keep right. she could keep moving up as far as I'm concerned. Uh she's so good. One thing, um man, think about our our, our team. <laughs> we could be rolling out Kyle Dake, Jordan Burroughs, David Taylor, Jaden Cox, Kyle Snyder. <laughs> Five in well, a row. We've rolled that team out before though. I know, but we, we could do it we could roll it out again. Nine, no, just eighteen. Just eighteen because nineteen David Taylor was hurt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, uh, Mason Paris. Too bad we can't have Gable on the end of that list. Ah. No, but we're all so excited because he's going to be jumping off turnbuckles. It's, isn't it amazing? <laughs> turnbuckles. Man, oh. okay, listen. You see this man do a backflip. You give him some some uh, turnbuckle, some bounce, and some more height, he might do a double. He could do a double. Um, and, and you can practice and you can orchestrate it, and the guy's going to stand right where you want him to stand, uh-huh. and you're going to flop right, right on question, top of him. And one, two, and it's going to be amazing. They're going to kick out right at two, Ben. It's incredible. Freaking redneck wrestling. All right. Go, Gable. I support Gable Stevenson. I pick him to win Next all things. Question. Next question. Um, over under 0.5 Cliff Keen Wrestling Club members make the team. I'm taking the over because I got Mason Paris, and that's uh, that's just there's one that gets it, and they've got contenders with Pantelio and Ringer, but that's really all you need. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go over because they they have a few contenders there, so I, I think the chances they get one is relatively good. What do you think the chances are he beats uh, Gwiz? Do you think he's the favorite? After watching their matches at the Club Cup, man, I feel like he's gonna be the favorite by now because he's got a. That was how many months ago was that? That was in like February. No, it may February. have been November. Who long. even knows? I don't no, even it was, know. It was before it was December. Years, it was it? December of twenty twenty. December. It was December. See, I don't even know. So that was. Um, we're talking nine months. He's gotten better in nine months. I'm taking. I'm taking Mace Paris. Quiz yeah. also teched him at RTC Cup. So do not forget about that. He teched him, but he was also. That was a crazy match. That was like eight zero. He was something. It looked like maybe. he was, he looked like he was gonna get teched, and then he came back, and I think he, it was a lace, lace. But he got a lace for a crap ton of points. Yes, um, yeah, but look, laces will. Was. I've looked into it. Laces will be legal at the World Team Trials, so we have to factor uh, that in. Uh, hey, you know what sucks? And this is Kevin Mulder's question: Is that uh, where's Michigan? I had Michigan doing a party in in Detroit, trying to win an NCAA title as a team. But everyone got an extra year of eligibility, so all of Iowa's seniors would be would have been previously done by the time they got to Detroit. None of them would be competing. That is Spencer Lee, DeSanto, Kemmer, Marinelli, et cetera, et cetera. There's some more in there. So had that happened, Michigan and had Michigan had been able to convince all of their guys to continue to wrestle, Amin, Michich, et cetera, it would have looked significantly different. I don't really know how the lineup looks because – I guess we still don't know. We we got to assume that none of those people who I mentioned are going to be in their lineup. Massa, Michich, Amin. I'm assuming none of them are in there, right? I don't know. 
I don't know what they're doing. I know Amin is definitely considering it. Uh, when I talked to him at the Olympics, it was not something he was rolling out. Um, okay. Logan Massa, I don't know. Stevan Micic, I mean, he didn't wrestle last year. Right. Doesn't seem like, but maybe he'll come back. I don't player. know. Uh, he certainly would be interesting at 133. Um, most of us, this is from Kenny Taylor Jr., the son of Kenny Taylor Sr., I'm assuming. Most of us believe JB will win 79 kilograms. Who will give him his closest match? Hmm. So it's this is an interesting okay. question because you've got the guy who beat him in the bracket, uh, Isaiah right. Martinez. Yes. But I think it's Ringer. I think right now, 2021, I think it's Alex Derringer. I'm going to go Ringer. Yes. Also. Yep. If if I I just am not you know, I I'm kind of taking maybe this is the wrong approach with Imar, but I Let's see how he he's now a, a full-on yes. coach. He's at Oregon State, different training scenario. Let's see, right? Let's see. Especially when we consider – you're talking about considering some of these other guys' last performances. We consider his last performance, and it was not pretty. He was losing 8-0 Skatska. to Devin Skatska. I mean, yeah. that's – that's you know, if we're, especially if we're, we're talking – earlier we were considering Tyler Graff performances from 2019, and then you want to consider Dayton Fix and Nick Serrano matches of 2014. We had 2014. You guys did that. I'm not we considering had, it. I'm not saying like you uh, consider. It. You brought it up. It's a, it, no. It's a notable. It's a notable nugget. We could call it that. It's just like hey, going back okay. to 2014, notable they can't nugget. take each other right. down. Um, yes. Okay, that's fair. So, anyways, we had we had IMR matches in um, October of 2020. He did not look so great. I would have. He actually would have hit Taylor Luhan had he continued in the tournament. He decided not to. I would have been very interested. But yeah. Within full-time coaching with kind of what happened with the Jordan Burroughs match falling apart a couple months ago, um, he's going to have to prove that he's all the way back. Yes. That's kind of my thought as well. Man, I this is – just slap me when next time you see me. Uh, but I think Starachi makes this – is is it really interesting in this? Oh, that I, I'm interested to see where he draws into the bracket. Because I mean, hey, if he draws in, and he's got Burroughs first. He, he ain't winning that match. But no. you know, I could see him being highly competitive with with most of the other guys in the bracket. Actually, he is he's good defensively. He's hard to score on. He doesn't really get tired. Um, like if say if he drew a Pat Downey first tired. round. Oh no, that was DJ that, Washington. He, he won. Yeah. An, I was thinking yeah, about he that. won an overtime match. Had the reverse. DJ Washington got tired. tired. DJ got tired. Yeah, I mean, I could see him beating uh, Pat Downey first round for sure. You know, getting a big upset like that. If Imar's not in really good shape, I could see him beating Isaiah Martinez. I mean, yes, Sirachi's really good, and he's definitely depending on where he draws in, he could be an interesting uh, wrinkle. Is there anyone else in the? You know, we we talked about sixty one. Also, is there anyone else that's not in the top eight that we should be considering? Um, is Hayden's in there, right? Hayden Hydley. I think he's, yeah, he's not in the top eight. I think he's, yeah, he's not in the top eight. He's a pretty interesting guy at, at 79. Marsteller. Yeah. Chance Marsteller. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of pretty good guys. Starachi. So this is a really, um, salty weight. Very good. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think Starachi is really, really interesting. I mean, anytime you have someone that's a, a freestyle, He's not a novice. This guy, he wrestled in a lot of freestyle tournaments, but he's not like someone who's been like on the scene making 
making age level teams. Yes. Making teams and stuff. Uh-huh. So anytime you have someone that's really hard to take down, really good positionally, and can control center reasonably well, you're that's a good launching point to a solid freestyle. Um, yeah, showing. So he's he's a, a definite X factor, but for sure, the answer is Alex Daringer, in my opinion. Okay, um, yeah, we got a couple wire related, Omar related questions because of the passing of Michael K. Williams. Because you guys know we love the show so much. Uh, and Stringer's burner phone says, which character from the wire would have made the best wrestler had they had beat the streets in Baltimore at that time? I feel like oh, man. Bodie was. Uh, I That'd feel be like a good I'm, pick right there. Bodie brought us was was a uh, was a tough he, son of a gun and had the, he had a lot of aggression. You love aggression, Ben. Listen, when you're talking, listen. I, when you see a little kid and they're really aggressive, that's an easy kid it, it, to turn into a wrestler. That's a pretty easy kid. Uh, if you have a kid who does not have a lot of aggression, we got to build that in them um over time because a little kid who is timid is is much more difficult to turn into a good wrestler you get a really aggressive kid because mostly they're aggressive they're doing aggressive shit for like 10 years they're probably pretty strong too and you know they've been been like climbing on the monkey bars lifting up rocks you know hitting stuff with sticks and whatnot um you know somebody's got to teach me to snap down double leg uh quad pod we're good to go money how do you what's the uh, best way to instill aggression in a kid, I mean, we. This is where we, we get in the talent debate. It's like I don't get every kid from from the womb. I got one. I got three kids from the womb uh, that I've got to kind of work with. And uh, it, once you get them at six, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, it, it's not easy. Uh, obviously, you continue to encourage that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we do with our, our ninjas that we don't throw them right into the fire, but we do have them play combative games. And it is just funny seeing kids who've never been combative before the first time when they start experiencing that, it's like kind of, it's funny to watch, and you just got to keep encouraging them. And Hey dude, you, you got hit a little bit. You're fine. Get back in there. Let's go. Come on. Rub, just do this. You're fine. No big deal. Let's go fight again. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, well, how would you rate the aggression of your children? Obviously Ozzy man, strong boy, seemingly off the charts. <laughs> oh my God. Do we Keegan's thing on Sunday? And there was this, um, Mom, who I'm friends with, and she has a maybe an 11 year old, and I I have no idea why. Ozzy just goes up and starts trying to fight her, and I'm like, the hey, mom? listen, he's not the mom. She, you know, I mean, he's he's only up to her like up to her thighs, but he starts like hitting her thighs. I'm like, listen, just he's kind of aggressive. You can just throw him on the ground or do whatever you want. He'll be fine. <laughs> and so here she now it's hilarious. So she's already you know fighting it back, but yeah, he'll just like you. I can literally tell Ozzy, hey, go fight that guy, and he'll just. Go up and start trying to punch their leg or headbutt them or, you know, single leg them, something like that. It's hilarious. But I didn't tell him on this one. He just started, I don't know, he saw she was wearing blue pants. Maybe he didn't like that or something. He went and started going getting aggressive. Okay. Maybe he's in Apparently the he doesn't do it in preschool. I don't know how, but, uh, yeah. That's interesting. You bring something yeah. out in him. <laughs> okay. Um Who's the most unexpected NCAA champ of the last decade? Either they beat an unstoppable great or they came through a bracket of hammers and they went from unseated to mayor of the city. No one's unseated in one NCAAs. Um, but how, how you want to go from there? So We need a list. I have an idea. I, I think going into the tournament, I 
I don't know, even though he beat I feel like Mike Mock was one for me. Pretty big mm, surprise. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, Drew Foster. Six, six seed maybe? Yeah. Drew Foster. Uh, Drew, Fo- Drew Foster. For sure. Forget Drew it. Drew Foster. Foster. Was a big one for me. Yeah, I think so. My, my, the, the idea of Miles Martin not winning that bracket. Because, like, Colin Moore was the one seed, but he lost that year. And I'm pretty sure he lost to Mike Mock that year. So it's not if, unthinkable. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. If, uh, oh, my gosh, who pinned Colin Moore? I'm blanking on his name right now. Kent State guy. Kyle Canal. Kyle Canal, yeah. If he would have been <laughs> champ, that would have been the answer right Yeah, there. if he had done it, that would have been that would have been totally insane. But then this way, he got to beat Colin Moore twice. Yeah, he did. That was that was he beat Colin Moore twice. That is like how that happened. Like, there's something I love to be able to explain things or think about, like the logic. Kyle Canal beating Colin Moore two times in one weekend is unfathomable. It what didn't happen before. It will never happen again. They are not even close to the same level of wrestler. How does it happen? Not once. You happen once. I get it. Twice in one weekend? What yeah. the heck? Yes. It was a it was a major what the heck. And then yeah, but JD, you 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 called it. Drew Foster went in that way. I just did not see that coming yeah. at all. I mean obviously Max Dean did did the, the had the toughest aspect of that beaten Miles Martin. At least the the least likely he, thing he to happen. Ooped so that yeah. Foster could yes. slam it He allied yeah. so Drew could oop. Uh yeah. But yeah, so that that's got to be the biggest biggest surprise. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, shoot, nine forty three. Why don't we beat it? I drank my whole cup of coffee and I got a piece so bad, bro. Nah, we Wait know, man. It's just something to be unsaid. <laughs> we know from like nine oh two on, you're holding it, and uh, you know what? you're a tough guy. You're not like Wayne Boffman. You can't let yeah, you're I don't know Wayne Boffman. That guy made it till three. If you don't know who Wayne Boffman is. That guy held his pee till three o'clock. So uh, anytime, you. You, anytime you think you're tough, you start holding it till three. Then we can talk about it. For James Dean Raider, Ben Funky Asker, I'm Christian Piles. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll eat tacos. James Dean will be back from Parts Unknown. So we'll see you guys then. Wilton Trials Week. Goodbye. Ben is gone. Look at him. He's out.